Amen. Thank you, Lord. That was good this morning, wasn't it? It was really great. But, let me just say this. That's not the standard. Just because we had a good time worshiping the Lord and testimony I and mean, all that. But the standard is, is Jesus' gold standard. It's people getting saved and people getting healed and people's lives being transformed. So that's, that's, the, that's, that's the gold standard. So, amen? I mean, we like all that other stuff. We want to have it. We're not putting it down. But you can have great preaching, great, you know, music, great, you know, what you call great worship, and nothing changes in your life. So God is wanting to, <clears throat> He's wanting to transform us, okay? And one of the things I wanted to read is Luke fourteen twenty three this morning. And that's what we're talking about is, is the Lord wants to uh, change our culture in this church, in the church. We have a different culture, which means we have different standards, okay? And this one is a great scripture. It's from the story when there was a, a, um, a party or something that this guy threw and he invited people to come to the party. And people couldn't come because of different reasons. And they were, you know, like I have a farm or I just got married or I got this situation going on in my life. And then he, so he, he sent out and said, you know, just get me the poor, lame, and maimed and get them and bring them in. And that's sort of what they did. They shifted over and went, went after, the, after the sort of the rejects of society. And then they, it wasn't enough. He got everybody in the house, and this is the verse I wanted to read. I just told you the whole thing. It's powerful, man. Then the, servants, then the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. And that's really the heart of the Father. We're not talking about filling the church up. It's just not even, not even about that. It's about the Father's house being filled. He has his heart to fill this house of his. Okay, but what we got to get is we got to get the house here. We got to get a revelation of the Father's house here to really be able to fill His house. And God wants to fill that house. And that's not just going to heaven for sure. Um, but the Lord wants to transform us to do that. It's a transformation. It's not, a, you know, we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. And God's trying to, is bringing us into a season now. We're really in a spiritual season. Okay, this is amazing to me. We're in a spiritual season where the where the it says the the Lord opened up their minds to understand the scriptures. We're in that season right now where God is opening up the minds of believers who want it and who are saying yes to it. That's what the uh, Sandy was saying. That was the Lord when she said, "The Lord, you know, there's honey drop now. It's just a different picture, but." What the Lord was wanting to say is this is heaven and the revelation that He's releasing now is accessible to, to any believer. It's, it belongs to us as ours. So we're in that time now where He's just given this new download, okay, for, for a modern word. Down, you know, downloads is something you do on the Internet. You download new software. God's, he's wanting to go beyond that. Okay, he wants to give us a whole new operating system. You know, <laughs> he's God wants to give you. And the problem with new operating systems right now is uh, I had this Vista operating system on a computer recently, which was a huge mistake. 
I mean, that thing about drove me insane because it was so unstable, and I had to buy new programs just to make them work, and it still didn't work. Finally, had to get rid of it because I was, I'm going to lose everything I've got because of Vista. Well, you know, the Holy Ghost downloads operating systems are not quite that unstable. Okay, but they do make you feel a bit unstable at first. When you're starting to get a whole new operating system, you know, it just sort of messes with you. It really does. So, we've got to get some new programs going. But there is just one thing I want to share with you this morning. This is a transforming truth if you can receive it. Okay, and also sort of controversial. I, I found out sharing the first service, man, I thought, God, what's wrong with people, you know, about this? There's nothing, there's nothing controversial about it. It's the truth right from the Bible. And God wants to transform people's lives. And if you can get this, if you can get this one, this is a big one, man. I mean, I think I could preach this message a thousand times because <laughs> it's so important for us. Okay, this is for me. This was like the one, the one that, of all the great things that the Lord has shown me recently. This was it. This is one that will put Jacob's ladder on your back. Okay, I mean, you know what that means? Putting Jacob's ladder on your back. It means you, if you get this one, you have a ladder that you can take other people, you can access them into the heavenly realm. It really, really will. It's, I mean, you can go from having that ladder in your mind. You can go for that ladder having it on you on your back where people can walk on walk up the, your back so to speak into the heavenly realm it's powerful man I mean it's a life changing it's been life changing for me and I was trying to remember how it all started but this is how it started for me is I said Lord you know we've done a lot of teachings in the, in the, here about the mind right the mind you know having the mind of Christ the renewed mind and all that I mean but there's one prayer I prayed okay I prayed this Lord listen I want you to go deeper into my mind I want you to go deeper and heal my mind of yeah. memories and stuff but I want you to do something else completely beyond just healing my mind of memories I want you to go into mine and literally erase my mind of all the theology and doctrines that are not doesn't line up with your word and God answered that prayer he, he answered that prayer. He began to erase this thing in my mind. This is how it all started with me. He literally erased it. That's why I was telling him earlier, early, I'm having a hard time explaining what it looks like in my mind, but it literally looked like, I hate to say this, a whiteboard. Because all I could see was this white space that was empty. And because God had taken His divine eraser, okay, I'm just into the secret sense of using traps and whatever. <laughs> And he had took his divine eraser and he erased some stuff in my mind. Literally. I could see it. Gosh, it's just this blank thing there, Lord. I mean, it was white, though, is what made it good. You know? It wasn't a chalkboard like the old days. He literally erased it and he's beginning to write something new in my mind. Okay? And this is awesome. I'm telling you all this because God wants to just erase people. I wouldn't dare put that old nasty stuff on. He wants to erase your mind of lies that have been perpetuated onto the church for years. Stuff we thought was the truth. But it's a twist on the truth. It's another twist to just mess you up. I'm going to give you the great introduction. I can stop now. I'd be happy. No, I'm going to want you to hear this. I'm going to give it to you. So I'll just try to do this and... Matthew 3. I want to read. All right, I'm going to start with John the Baptist. Okay? 
Are you with me? I'm starting with John the Baptist. Uh, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's a tremendous message, isn't it? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And they said a couple other things about John, the way his, his, his wardrobe, I don't care about that, just jump down in five. That's, his wardrobe's not important in what he ate, wild honey, and where he lived. That's what those verses are about. It was about his wardrobe, where he lived, and what he ate. Who cares, right? Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region of Jordan went out to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. Pretty powerful, wasn't it? I mean, we got a revival going out here in the middle of nowhere. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, then this guy really knew how to draw people into the church. Okay, I mean, he had it down pat. He saw these religious people, and guess what he did? You brood of vipers! <laughs> that's secret. Yeah, I mean, forget that. That's, that's really being sensitive to the people, calling them brood of vipers. I'm going to help you find God <laughs> by putting a hard word on you. Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance. It's pretty good stuff, really. It's really good stuff. And do not say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father, for I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. Isn't that good? And even now, the axe... Anybody got an axe this morning? How many people brought an axe in here this morning? I mean, somebody's brought some axes in here. We're going to cut some trees down. The axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Wow! I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I. And that's wonderful, isn't it? Whose sandals I am not worthy to carry, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Everybody say fire. Yeah, his winnowing fan is in his hand and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. That's a pretty serious message, isn't it? So um, <clears throat> what we have to remember, okay, now this, this is where it starts for you. I want you to listen to this. I'm going to try to behave. I didn't be, I thought I felt sorry for the people in the first service. Golly. Anyways... John the Baptist was the last of the Old Testament prophets. Okay? He was not, he was not a New Testament man. He was, he was old. Even though he's in the New Testament, but the reason he's in there, he's the, begin, he's the end. And what he was doing it was announcing the new. That was his job, to announce the new, but he wasn't part of the new. Okay? He was fading off the scene. So he looked at life through the Old Covenant. That's how he saw life. That's all he had was the Old Covenant. He did not have the New Covenant at that moment. So his, what his revelation was, his revelation came through an Old Covenant view. Are you all with me on that? Okay, now, just hold on to that thought. There's a thing called, and some of you people know all about this, it's called the Protestant Reformation, sometimes around the 1500s. This thing happened. And it was a great thing that happened to the church. And it was, it basically, basically, you know, Protestant beliefs came into being, so to speak. And there became churches established through. And there was one particular man named John Calvin. 
Okay, anybody ever heard of John Calvin? You've heard of Reformed theology, haven't you? Or Calvinism, haven't you? Most people have. Most Christians have. Okay, well, this, this guy, Calvin, he was, a, he was a French guy, and he developed this theology, a system of thinking of Christian theology, which we call Reformed theology or Calvinism. Okay, now listen to this. This is the main essence of Calvinism. Now, there's, a, there's five points to Calvinism, but the main thing is this is, this is like everything centers on this. Okay, and this is what it says. We cannot really turn to God until we acknowledge Him to be the judge. For until the sinner sets himself before God's tribunal, he will never be touched with the feeling of true repentance. Y'all got that? In other words, uh, it starts out with this thing they call the, the total depravity of man. Okay, that's, that's Calvin's, you know, they have five points. And the first point is the total depravity of, of man, meaning that man is absolutely lost and man is absolutely doomed apart from God. And if, if, if somehow God doesn't intervene in man, then their man, you know, man's just going to hell in a handbasket. They're going to experience the wrath of God. One of my favorite spiritual heroes and one of the most famous messages in the world it's called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God by Jonathan Edwards, who was a classic Calvinist preacher, who also somehow, between him and God, something, he had a move of the Holy Spirit in his church, which is called the First Great Awakening. So um, here's how we put it. And I think many of you have heard this before. That in order to get a person saved, you have got to get that person seeing that they are a sinner and they're a lawbreaker. You've got to see them that they're under judgment. Right? Has anybody ever heard that? Get a, you've got to put the law on them so they know they can get saved. Has anybody in this room ever heard that way of leading people to Christ? Yeah, I mean, that's a common thing that's taught, okay, as a way. And it does have effect. However, let me just say this to you. And I'm not, I'm not here to put down Calvinism. Like I, just what I said, I, you know, I've had people come to church and ask me if, was, if I was a Calvinist or Arminius. And I said, this is what I really said to them. Just all respect, and I'm not trying to be a smart aleck, I'm a Christian. You know, that argument is the most, one of the most futile discussions you can get, get in with people. Because it's irrelevant. It's really irrelevant. But here's my point. is John Calvin was very influenced by John the Baptist theology. Okay? John Calvin, he lived with the revelation he had. He saw life... Okay, and his theology was based on a judgment. You repent or you're going to be judged. Okay, that's his theology. Okay, and, that, and that's why we get that thing. Put them under the law, then they can get saved. And that's great except for one thing. It is really not the way Jesus did it. Okay, that is not, I mean, that's John the Baptist theology. That's a, really an old covenant theology. And, and that, if you read most books, most theological books, books on systematic theology, the basis of those books is that type of thinking. In other words, the church has been taught for 500 years now, or maybe longer, for 500 years we have been taught something, we've been taught a way of thinking that is has an Old Testament legalistic essence to it. You hear me? And, and because, so we're seeing Christianity, we're seeing life, and we're seeing human beings with that taint on our minds and our hearts. We're tainted. 
And what God wants to do, He wants to erase anything out of your life. He wants to erase that stuff out of your life. He wants to erase this, this God. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And if you don't, you're going to burn up and you're going to die. Because Jesus did not come with His ministry. He did not do that. He never did that. So that's what I want to show you now. I want to switch over to the Jesus world. Okay, are y'all with me? Let's read about Jesus for us. John 4, verse 17 through 18. This is exciting, man, because this really can change you. Do you want to be changed and transformed this morning? You want to see heaven. You want to access the heavenly realm. Well, then this will access it for you. This really will. It really does. I mean, it's amazing. I tell you what, I will trade a lot of other understanding I have for this. If God came to me, Byron, you only have a few things that you can really know to be the truth. And pick out those for me. This would be one of them. You know, I'd pick out the blood of Jesus, but this would be one of them. Now, i got to hold on to this one, God, because this is life-changing. Uh, from that time, Jesus began, 417, that time Jesus began to, re- to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Exact same thing John the Baptist preached, right? I just read it to you. Same words, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's what Jesus did. But then something happened, okay? It says, and I, and I don't want to go into this. I'll go into this in a little bit in verse 18, but I'll read it to you. And Jesus walking by the Sea of Galilee saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, cast a net from the sea, for they were fishermen. Okay? Then jumping down to verse 23, this is it. This is what he did. Now remember, John said this. Repent or he's going to come and set you on fire. He's going to burn you up if you don't change. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying to you? If you? I hope you get this. And Jesus went about all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. So you see, John the Baptist, listen to this. John the Baptist said, Jesus is going to put the axe to you if you don't repent. Okay? And he's going to, he's going to fan out, he's going to thresh out his threshing floor. He's fanning out, he's going to take the chaff and put it in one place, and he is going to take the, the wheat and put it in another place. He's going, in other words, he's going to bring this judgment. And his, the, the, he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit in fire, and his fire is a fire of judgment. So Jesus comes and preaches, does the exact same thing, repent for the kingdom of heaven and God, and then he went about healing people. Now you tell me what is the difference between those two things. A healing to me doesn't seem like to be a, a judgment, does it? It doesn't seem to be a negative, does it? No, it, it's really not a negative. It's, it's a very positive thing because, you see, there's a big difference between New Testament and Old Testament. There's a big difference between grace and the law. Okay? And, and when Jesus preached the kingdom of heaven and what the kingdom of heaven was going to be like and how it was going to affect this world, He did not preach from a perspective of judgment It's the first thing that's going to happen. Just like John Calvin in his first point said, all man is depraved. And judgment, and they're, and they're going to receive it. All man is depraved, and there will be judgment, but Jesus did not start with judgment. 
Jesus started with grace. Jesus preached the message and said, Grace is here. And I'm going to demonstrate the kingdom of heaven to you, not by judging you and not by beating on you, but by healing you and showing you my world. Now that's the difference. And we've been led and we have been tainted with a John the Baptist spirituality that says that God is mad at man and God wants to judge man. And it's not true. It's not what's in the Bible anyway, is it? There is going to be judgment. But that's not the first thing God does. In fact, in the New Testament, grace always precedes judgment. God always gives grace to people. He, don't bring, he doesn't bring judgment to people as the first thing like John the Baptist would have done because John the Baptist was the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, man is depraved. Man is under God's wrath. Are y'all getting this? And this can really change your life because God wants us to put it in His order. Priority. The call to repentance the way Jesus did it was good news. It wasn't bad news. It was good news. That's why the gospel is good news. It's not telling somebody how awful they are. Most sinners already know how awful they are. I mean, I ain't met a real sinner that didn't know how awful they were. They don't need you to tell them. They know it. Now, they might argue with you about it, but in their heart, when I was a sinner, nobody had to tell me how bad I was. I knew how bad I was. I was consumed with badness. I mean, I live with the condemnation of it every day. Sinners don't need to hear it. They need to hear the good news because, and here's the good news, the presence and transforming power of the kingdom of heaven, not human sin, is the first priority in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the first priority. Judgment is not the first priority. Are y'all hearing me? You hear me? Judgment is not the first priority. So here's what... Well, anyway, Jesus demonstrated this good news of the kingdom before He talked about judgments. He demonstrated it by healing people and by loving people. And He did say there would be some judgments coming if you, you know, if you don't respond... One of these days. <laughs> the gospel of the kingdom reveals something first and foremost about God as revealed in Christ and not about the human condition. You hear me? It's not about our human condition. That's not the number one thing. The number one thing is Him. It's who He is. It's what He's like. It's what the kingdom of heaven is like. And when we begin to see theology and we begin to see the Bible like that, we see a different Bible. We see a different world than what we're seeing now. And let me tell you something. Everybody in this room, you have been tainted. If you're a Christian, you have been tainted by this wrong theology. If you've been in the church any time at all, you've been tainted. It's tainted your mind. It's like poison in your mind. It's old covenant. It's not new covenant. Now, I think John Knox, and, or not John Knox, he was a Presbyterian guy who really jumped in on the Calvinist thing. I think that dude Calvin was a great guy. This is not an anti-Calvinism message. I think they did a church a great service. But they only had, limit, they had limited revelation. That man had limited revelation. We've got more revelation today than John Calvin had. We've got more revelation than John the Baptist had. Jesus said John the Baptist was the greatest man who ever lived in the natural sense. But he said the least person, the lowest level person in the kingdom of heaven is much greater than him. That's what Jesus said. 
Meaning, you've got more than John the Baptist. Are y'all getting what I'm saying to you? I don't think you are. I mean, I didn't feel like it. <laughs> now, you don't have to say anything. I'm just saying, this can change your life. What I'm saying to you, this one little thing can change your life because it will affect the way you read the Bible for the rest of your life. It will affect the way you view Christianity for the rest of your life, and it will affect the way you see people in the world the rest of your life. Because you're going to begin to see it through the eyes of Jesus Christ, not through the eyes of John the Baptist. Jesus said, follow me. He did not say, follow John the Baptist. He said, follow me. He didn't say, follow John Calvin. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying to you? We're to be followers of Him. That's what He said, those fishermen. He got those fishermen. That was what He did. The first thing, He got people to follow this way of life, this way to look at life, the way to do life, the way He did it. And He wasn't doing it John the Baptist's way. You can understand why the church is not the Father's house for a large part. Because the Father's house is not talking about putting the axe to people. The Father's house, is, Father's house is not talking about burning people up and judging people. That's the last thing that he wants to do. That's why this, this man in this story said, look, go get, go get the lame and the blind and, and messed up people and just bring them here. And, then, and they brought them in and he said, it's still not enough. It's not full. Just go get people and compel them to come here. Convince them somehow this is the best place for them. Because they weren't coming to judgment. They weren't coming to be put down. They were coming to be loved. They were coming for their life to be transformed. And see, we are never going to be the Father's house until we get that revelation. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? We will never do it. The church will never become what it's supposed to be. God wants to raise that stuff out of your mind. This is... You know, that's, what was those words of that song? I don't forgot what they were right now. We've searched... Oh, yeah. Let me tell you this. That song, we've searched all of the earth and heaven and found nobody like you. Now, here's the first time I heard that. I thought, whoa, that's what I want to do. And I think as best I can, I have searched earth. Most of us have, really, looking for somebody to be something, help us, make us somebody, do something for us. You know, people marry somebody and you think you can get something out of your spouse or your friend or you think the church can provide it for you. So we've discovered that ain't going to work, right? Most people have discovered that. If you haven't discovered it, you will. But this is what not a lot of people have done. How many people have searched heaven and found? I'm talking about literally searching heaven. I think, this is what I really think. This may be, and I can't prove this, but it just seems to me to be right. That God the Father would say, you want to search heaven to see if there's anybody better than my son? If that's what your real heart is, I may just invite you up here one day, not when you die, but just invite you up here one day and have you look, a look around here and see if there's anybody in heaven better than my son. See if there's anybody in heaven greater than my son. So we could say, like that song, I've literally searched heaven. I literally went there and I literally looked for somebody. Somebody! That was greater than Him. Wouldn't that be awesome to get to do that? I'm asking the Lord to let me do it. Because I said, that's great on that song. I love that song. I love that phrase. 
I just don't love that I haven't got to do it yet. Because this is what, what I'm telling you, this is what this will do for you. It will make you love Him. This is what this will do. It will make you love Him. It will make you love Him, Jesus. In other words, oh gosh, I, gotta, I need to read the Bible. I need to go to church. I need to give. I need to, no, it won't, none of that, may, I got to. It will make you pursue Him. It will make you see that, gosh, He's wonderful. Hey, let me ask you this question. I really want to know this, because I feel like I'm just messed up somehow. But I have read the Bible for years with this thought in the back of my mind. This is, I'm talking about the Gospels. I'm talking about up until the time He was resurrected. I'm talking about living in the world those people lived in. Okay? This person was not risen from the dead yet. He was just walking around, praying for people, helping people, doing great things. But somehow those people in the Bible loved him incredibly. Have you ever thought about how much they loved him? I'm talking to sinners. Even the disciples, they loved him. They loved him. They loved him. And my question was, why do they love him so much? Because he's done some good things, but he's not done what we found out he did. In other words, they were just seeing a part of him. They loved him. They loved him. Why did they love him? Have you ever thought about that? Why did those people love Jesus? Why did sinners love him? I thought, gosh, I wish I loved him like those sinners in the Bible did. I've literally thought that. I don't love you like they loved you. And I think it was because of this. Because they heard John the Baptist preach, they got scared. You know? Oh, in trouble of God. Help! What are we supposed to do? That's what some of them ask in Romans 3. What are we supposed to do? Well, don't extort people. You know, or don't be, whatever they did, you know, tax collectors, don't get more of their money, you know. Just a bunch of, I woke the baby up. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. Anyways. They were, they found out when Jesus came that he really wasn't going to judge them. He really wasn't going to set them on fire just yet. <laughs> He's going to give him a chance. <laughs> we'll give you a way out. Over there's the fire. Over here's glory. Which one you want? <laughs> you got to show us. And he's just looking for people who can get a revelation of this. He's looking for people to say, Oh, yeah, please come into my mind and erase that off my, my mind, Lord. Erase all that. I didn't even know it was on my mind until he erased it, and then I found out it was on my mind. See, we don't know what's in there. We don't know what's been imparted to us until we begin to ask Him. Just please erase all the doctrine that's not you, all the theology that's not you, all my beliefs, and just start erasing it. Just erase it, and erase it, and erase it. Erase it. <laughs> Some of you might be empty-headed when He gets through. <laughs> That'd be a great day, though, wouldn't it? Because He'll begin to write. I, I really pray, you know, Father, please give this to people. Please give this revelation to them. Just please give it to them. I pray, Lord, that we could begin to get the lenses of the old covenant taken off in our eyes. And Lord, we really appreciate John Calvin. 
and what he did for the church. Today is no dishonor of him on any level, Lord. But Lord, this is what we want to become, is we want to become followers of you, not followers of John Calvin or any other person except you. You know, there's a thing called the forerunner spirit, and we've sort of went after that for years, and I concluded this recently. You know what? I don't really want that. I really don't. I don't want a forerunner spirit. That's just not my program anymore. My program is I want the spirit of Christ. That's what I want. I mean, I'm good for the forerunner. If people want to do it, y'all go for it and do it all you want to. I'm happy y'all doing it, but I'll be honest with you. The spirit of Christ is what I want to have on me, resting on me. And, and I know there's people could probably argue me down and slam me. I mean, John Calvin could come in here and run rings around me today, but I mean, I'm not really trying to. I'm just telling you what I believe God's showing me. Let me look, show you this in Luke 5.17, just to prove to you what I'm telling you is in the Bible even more. It says, now this is the very first time, from my understanding, that Jesus had a real encounter with the Pharisees and Sadducees. Okay, right after his ministry started. Okay, this is the number one. This is the day that he was in a house, and there were so many people in the house, they had to open up the roof to let a man down for him to be healed. That's the setting. But look what it said, John 5, 17, Eric. It said, it's coming. It said, it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by. Okay, so those are the people sitting there listening to him teach who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. There was a lot of them there. You know, they were all going out to see Jesus. And listen to this. I want you to hear this, that last sentence. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Who was the power? Where was the power of the Lord present to heal that day? Who were the people? The Pharisees and the Sadducees. Jesus' first encounter. The very people that John the Baptist called a brood of vipers. The power of the Lord was present to heal the brood of vipers. That was how he began his ministry to them. is by offering good news to them. I'll heal you. Now, of course, we know they rejected him and it got, t- it got touchy with them. You know, he did call them hypocrites later, but he didn't start out calling them hypocrites. He didn't start out calling them a brood of vipers. He didn't start, start out by saying, God's going to throw you out. He didn't start. He started by offering healing. He started by offering life. Okay, the power of the Lord was present to heal them, being the Pharisees and Sadducees. And you see, that's where we've missed it, I feel, in the church. Somehow there's been, and it may not seem like much to you, but man, when it becomes revelation to you, it seems quite profound to me what I'm saying to you. In fact, it is one of the most profound things I have ever, I mean, it's just, it's, this will change your life. I promise you, it is profound. It will change you if you get it on a revelation level. It will completely rock everything that you believe. Because Jesus Christ did not come in the world to, to judge the world. He came in the world to save the world. And he's not using judgment to save it. He's using the power of the kingdom of heaven to save it. That's what he uses. That's what he does. And when people see that and experience that, they've experienced the true good news that God wants to help me. Now let me read this last one, Mark 1, 14 through 70. Are y'all all right? See, God wants to do some profound things, man. This morning, this is the way I felt. This is the honest truth in this room. There's people, you know, all different places spiritually, but basically there's two worlds operating here, okay? 
There's two worlds in this room. Some people in this room are in, the, in, in this spiritual world. They're in it. Then there's other people who are sitting back who are not in it. It's like, well, I don't get it. I don't feel it. It's all that. But I'm going to tell you, there's two worlds, and they're real. Okay? There's two worlds. Actually, there's three worlds in the Bible. There's this world, there's the demonic world, and there's the, the heavenly world, kingdom of heaven world. Well, we don't really want the demonic world at all, period. We don't even want to bother with it. <laughs> Somebody else do that. We want to deal with, this is the world we're in, but that's the world we're supposed to be connected to and affecting this world. It says, uh, John, Mark 1, yeah. After John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee. And this is sort of the su- summary. This summarizes this. Preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. That's what he was doing. And saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. All right, so that's number one. Change your mind. Get a new world view. That's what repent means. You need to change your mind because there's another world here. And when Jesus walked in the room, he was that other world. Okay? He's saying, change your mind. This, a new world's here. It's right here. And I'm it. I'm bringing this world. And Christians are meant to bring that world. You and I are meant to bring His world into this world. That's why I said this message will put the Jacob's Ladder on your back where you can have, where people can access on this revelation, they can access heaven. And He said, you need to change your mind and get a new world view right now because my world is with me. Okay? And believe it. Believe it. Believe in the gospel. Believe in the good news. You need to believe this. Okay? Which is just an act of believing. And then it says, He walked by the Sea of Galilee. He saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, cast a net in the sea, for they were fishermen. Then Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. In other words, you've got to repent, you've got to re- believe, and you have to follow. You've got to follow His way. Follow His way. Amen. We need our ministry team to come on up right now. And uh, I want to invite you, you know, for those things that we talked about during the service. I want to read this passage. It says in Luke 24, Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, as we come to the Lord's table here, that he took bread, blessed, and broke it, and gave it to them. Then, you know what happened? It says their eyes were opened. And they knew Him. And they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us? There's the fire. While He talked with us on the road, and while He opened what? The Scripture to us. I want to encourage you as you come up here to partake of what some churches would say a sacrament, or this ritual, or whatever you would consider it, as you come up here to eat a cracker and drink some juice. Yes, it symbolizes a sharing in His death and resurrection, but it also has a spiritual power to open our eyes to the heavenly realm. Amen. There is more to it than just eating a cracker and drinking the juice. Yeah, I know, we're commemorating, we're sharing it. Yes, that's true, but your eyes can be open to do what? Understand what Byron's talking about. So I just want to say that to encourage you as you come up here Say, yes, Lord, I believe this. 
right now as I share in your in your body and your blood, I am actually having my eyes, my spirit eyes opened to the heavenly places to understand the scripture. Amen. So I want to invite everyone now to just file up the aisles, partake of the Lord's Supper, and then our ministry team is some over there. There's some over here with the tags on. And Sarah and I will be right here. And if you've never met Jesus, please come give your life to Him today. If you need healing in your body, He's going to do that right now. And Venus is there to impart just what she's received into your life. If you have that need for provision or you got that hopelessness that you need the Lord to touch today. So come on up. This is a word of knowledge for healing, so listen up as you're coming. Um, pretty simple, just lower back. Lower back. If, you, if, you've got, if you've been experiencing either chronic or temporary pain in your lower back, I'd like to pray for you. Did y'all hear that lower back pain? I gave that testimony. One person's already gotten healed of that already this morning.